Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Good to be here. Good to have you back. Kurt Mortensen here for Maximize Your Influence. This is episode 331, where we take a deep dive into mood and how that affects persuasion and influence and yourself. Hope you're staying healthy, having a good week as the world goes crazy. I'm extending that gift from last week, the full program of Millionaire Psychology. Go to episode 330, be able to download it there. This is the full program with the application guide, because this is a deep dive in self-persuasion and success. I mean, think about it. You want to become a millionaire? It's pretty simple. Start thinking, acting, and doing what other millionaires do. It doesn't matter what your goal is. You want to become a millionaire. You want to be healthier. You want better relationships. It all comes back to mindset, self-leadership, self-persuasion, that psychology, which is the biggest issue for most people. And of course, for most, it's the one they work on last. So enjoy that. Appreciate the feedback. Let me know what you think at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's also location to get info on Influence University. Check out the free section there. That's also the archives of all the podcasts under Influence University. That's also the place to take your free Persuasion IQ assessment. Check that out. Let's get into it. Let's kick it off right now with the Persuasion Blunder. Homer? Don't, don't, don't! Last week on the podcast, we talked about how to inspire and energize anyone, including yourself, which spun off to the YouTube channel, Maximize Your Influence, on having a competition or rallying around a cause and some cause marketing. So cause marketing is our blunder. So cause marketing is usually when a for-profit company finds a non-profit company and there's a cause. Buy a pair of shoes, they give a pair of shoes. Buy a pair of glasses, they give a pair of glasses. Everyone wants to rally around a cause because people pay more and it's just the right thing to do, but sometimes companies tend to blow it. And so these are the blunders. So KFC, that's Kentucky Fried Chicken, they changed their name. We learned about the one of the 12 laws of persuasion, verbal packaging, the word fried, so it's now KFC. They were bragging about making the largest single donation to breast cancer research. They even made all their buckets pink. But the challenge when you went to the website the Susan Komen for the Cure website. It's been a lot of time on how body weight can contribute to cancer risk. And of course, KFC is not a health food. Tasty, yes, but not a health food. And it said right there, you can reduce your risk of cancer by making healthy choices like eating right, staying active, and not smoking. So that might not be the best cause marketing when one could be causing the other. Here's one that's even worse. This is also from KFC, but this was done with Pepsi. So they had these giant mega jugs of Pepsi. If I know they hundred something ounces, these mega jugs, and if you fill them with Pepsi. So if you bought one of these mega jugs and filled it with Pepsi, they donated a dollar to juvenile diabetes. Uh, think about that for a second. Pepsi, sugar, juvenile diabetes, what's the major cause of this? Yeah, once you think it through, I mean, it's nice you're donating, it's a good cause. Sometimes one thing's not like the other or shouldn't be like the other. People just don't think it through. 
So that is our blunder of the week. Let's get into our geeky scholarly article. This is from Stanford University and the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. How mood plays a major role in how people make decisions about time management. So this podcast is going to focus on mood. Your mood, their mood, whose mood, everybody's mood matters. People don't think about it sometimes. Especially your mood. You put on that fake smile and pretend you're getting away from something. Now they're not probably thinking, oh yeah, they just had a fight. They're just putting out a fake smile. It just doesn't feel right. It's a bad subconscious trigger. And of course, we got to talk about their mood. But let's get into this article on how mood plays a major role for us personally. So Professor James Gross found that people's moods are key to deciding whether to spend time having fun or buckling down to tackle important but mundane chores. Maybe a duh factor here. Let's look into this. He goes on to say that mood plays a strong role in how people decide to spend their time each day. They found is that people tend to engage in unpleasant but necessary activities, they said like doing taxes, paying bills, doing homework, when they are in a good mood. On the flip side, someone in a bad mood is more likely to choose a pleasurable activity to get them to feel better. So basically, humans tend to trade off short-term happiness for long-term welfare. So as they dug a little deeper, they found... That as humans, we choose these pleasurable activities when we're feeling down or out or just out of whack. And that people choose to perform disagreeable but necessary activities when they're feeling upbeat. They call this hedonic flexibility. Basically, people tend to use their good mood as a resource, allowing them to work on challenges, thus delaying short-term gratification for long-term benefits. So examples they gave were regular sleep, stable employment, and a clean personal environment. All of those are linked to good mental and physical health. So you wouldn't suggest that people tend to leverage good moods to complete important but unpleasant tasks and use bad moods to experience pleasurable activities that may hold the key to happiness and well-being. So their suggestion is, the next time someone's in a great mood, it might be time to consider a chore like cleaning out the garage or something else they might have been procrastinating on. But then me thinking out loud, if you're in a good mood and you do taxi, which is going to put you in a bad mood, then you'll be watching TV anyway or eating the KFC or the fatty foods you're not supposed to be. So it, maybe it's more like a ping pong game, bounce between good and bad moods. But a healthy mood is important. We need to talk about moods and why mood matters. So let's try out an old but new sound effect. That means we're going to do your Persuasion IQ. Remember, you can take your Persuasion IQ assessment, see where you rank. But let me bring in a Persuasion IQ question. We used to do this on the podcast. Kind of bringing it back to get you thinking about this. So the question today is about mood. Does your prospect's mood affect your ability to influence them? Because we already know your personal mood affects your ability to persuade others. Because think about it. One study I mentioned uh, was a few episodes ago that when you feel influential, you are more influential. There's something about our state. So here's the question of the day. People who are in a good mood, A, buy more, B, listen better, C, see the positive over the negative, D, give better valuations, or E, all of the above. The answer is E, all of the above. When the person you're trying to persuade is in a good mood, they are more likely to accept your offer. The opposite's also true. If they're not in a good mood, chances are much higher they won't bite. This is a huge advantage to you when it comes to persuasion. Great persuaders create the right mood. 
Great persuaders actually put people in a happy state. When we are feeling happy, we tend to think happy thoughts and retrieve happy ideas and experience it from memory. Now, on the flip side, when we're in a negative mood, we tend to think unhappy thoughts and retrieve negative information from memory. If you can influence the mood, you minimize the likelihood of objections and resistance. How do you influence mood? The most important thing is to make sure you are in a good mood yourself. Even if your audience or your prospects in a good mood initially, a bad mood on your part can quickly dampen their spirits. Even if you're trying to hide it, then your chances at successful persuasion decrease significantly. One particular study demonstrated just how much moods and attitudes of those around us influence our responses. Three individuals sat down at a meal together. So two were in on the study and one who was not. But they were being evaluated on whether or not the companions altered their opinions of food. The two conducted themselves in a very disagreeable, mean, unpleasant, and contentious manner. On another occasion, the same individual was brought back to the same place and offered the same food. The only difference is they were given different table companions. So the first time around, mean, ornery, contentious. The second time around, the company was fun, interesting, and enjoyable. Remember, same food. So how do you think the evaluations of food differed? You got it. The first evaluation was negative, while the second was positive, even though the food itself was identical from one situation to the next. There is evidence across the board that mood is a major factor in persuasion. Even simple mood-boosting methods like eating a good snack or listening to pleasant music have been shown to make people easier to persuade. An interviewer who's in a good mood tends to assign higher ratings to job applicants. Happy moods also increase creativity, which is critical for a great persuader. Consumers who are in a good mood will be more aware of positive qualities and products or experiences they encounter. As any kid already's figured out, parents who are in a good mood tend to be more lenient and that's the best time to ask for something or reveal you got in trouble at school that day. So we reinforce this point with another study. A study was conducted in a hotel room that did not have a window or any other means by which the occupant could tell what the weather was like. When the guests ordered room service, the server would describe the weather as cold and rainy, cold and sunny, or warm and rainy, or warm and sunny. So how do you think these weather reports affected the server's tip? It didn't matter whether it was warm or cold. That did not make a difference. But when the weather was reported to be sunny, tips increased 26.65%. Even the thought of sunshine can change mood. Learn to be aware of your moods and attitudes. Great persuaders know when it's time to come back at a later time to influence. If you can't come back at a later time, then it's time to help your prospect change their mood. So when they're honoring or you're honoring, you can't just launch into persuasion or influence. You've got to back up, change your state, change their state. Reschedule if you can. That's not always an option. If you've been waiting for this for a while, get them into a better state. So before we talk about that, let me back up a little bit. When people are in a bad mood, they recall bad things, why they don't like you, why it's not going to work out, all the reasons it's going to fail, all your failures. When people are in a good mood, they recall good things, why they like you, your past victories, your past successes, why this is going to be a good thing. Two very, very different states. Mood matters. You've got to be aware that, first of all, you're in a bad mood, but let's start with them. They're in a bad mood. And we're going to assume you can't reschedule. What are your options here? Humor. Take a break, something to eat, get some sunshine, go for a walk, fresh air, talk about past victories. Any of those things can work. Just the number one rule, let me say it again, don't launch into persuasion, don't launch into influence when someone's in a rotten mood, including yourself. I know it's easier said than done, 
but it's something that can make a huge difference in your ability to persuade and influence. But I want to spend some time about working with you, your self-persuasion, your mindset, your mood, kind of supersize a little bit what we talked about last week, is that, of course, your mood matters, your state matters, and that could help or hurt your ability to persuade, influence, sell, negotiate, whatever you're doing. And the big one for most people, and they don't realize this, it's part of their willpower, it's part of their self-discipline, that as you go throughout the day, we have this willpower battery inside us that starts to drain. So you wake up in the morning, assuming you've had a good night's sleep, your willpower battery's fully charged, and your goal is to eat healthy. And you wake up and you say no to the bagels and no to the coffee and no to the pastries. No, no, no. But every time you say no, that willpower battery inside you starts to drain. Where you get to the point your battery's completely drained. And you get to the point where you come home, nobody loves you, you don't care anymore, and you eat the whole thing of donuts. <laughs> okay? We've all been there. But that's a big thing as far as mood is when our willpower battery gets really, really low. So every time we resist, every time we say no it drains our willpower battery. Now, what else drains your willpower battery? Well, any negative emotion, any bad mood, any rotten attitude, anger, frustration, resentment are some of the emotions that'll do it. Every time you fail, every time you say no, being around negative people, low blood sugar, lack of sleep, failure, stress, criticism. We're all a little bit different here, but those all drain your willpower battery. Where most people get to the afternoon, it could be you or members of your team, where they just don't care anymore, they're in a bad mood, they're making bad decisions, and if they're in that state, you don't want to start to persuade them, and especially you don't want to go try to persuade other people. But let me share an interesting study. So students were fasting, they were really hungry, and they came to this study, they had to fast for four hours before this study, and they got to the room, and they could smell freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. They're like, giddy up. So half the students, when they went in, they had two choices, either the warm chocolate chip cookies, surrounded by peanut M&Ms, or radishes. I don't know about you, but that's a no-brainer to me. Cookies every time. But half the students, they could eat whatever they wanted, but the other ones had exercise, willpower, and resisted only eat the radishes. And then they were told to sit down while they got prepared for the rest of the study, because they thought it was a sensory perception study. But the next room was a study, and the next room were these puzzles that were unsolvable. And they were told, these students were told, you need to solve these puzzles. They just want to see how fast they'd give up. Now, knowing what we know about willpower, who gave up faster, the radish eaters or the cookie eaters? Hold on, think about it. Who exercised willpower? And the next time you need it, it's a little weaker. The radish eaters gave up three times faster than the cookie eaters because the cookie eaters didn't exercise any willpower. Only the radish eaters did. So you have to be aware of what's happening inside your state, your willpower, and you need to have a game plan for you, your team, who are you trying to persuade to get them back on track, to recharge that battery to the point where they're thinking clearly and they can be persuaded. Or you can persuade yourself. What works for you? Well, here's a list. You can pick and choose. We talked about sunshine, getting fresh air, going for a walk, maybe looking at your victory list, talking to an optimistic person, watching something that's funny, doing something that you're good at. Maybe it's a coffee break, a Red Bull break, whatever you need. Maybe you need to eat something healthy. Nap, meditation, prayer, music. What gets you back in the zone? What gets others back in the zone? Most people don't even think it through. Your willpower is a key factor to your success. And when that willpower battery is drained, that self-discipline battery is drained, 
you aren't thinking straight. You're not making good decisions. A, you shouldn't persuade and you shouldn't try to persuade that person. Mood matters. Another thing to recommend here is having more victories, little small victories, doing things that you're good at. But in the morning, can you have two or three victories right out of the chute? That's why so many people in the success world say you've got to make your bed. Such a little thing. I know my mom was a big stickler for it. I resisted. Isn't that what boys do? Resist? Why would I make my bed? I got to sleep in it tonight if you've ever had that one. Until one day in elementary school, she came into my class and said, uh, yeah, I need to take Kurt home. He didn't make his bed. <laughs> and that never happened again. But I had the victories in the morning. What is it? Exercise, going for a walk, doing 10 push-ups. Again, making that bed. Or taking a cold shower. I was reading the other day about health and brain hacks. It says you're taking a cold shower. Turning the water cold at the end of your shower is very healthy. Why not? Try it. Little victory there. I've been doing it. It actually feels really good when you're done. But that's one of my small victories every morning. 30 seconds, ice cold shower to get the day going. So small victories. Think about that willpower battery. This will change everything. Another few things you can do for yourself. The way you walk in the room. Be more erect, more confident. Maybe you need to use those power poses we talked about. Dr. Cuddy's work where you put your hands on your hip to Wonder Woman. Your hands in the hair and, and victory pose. Some of these things you're probably not going to want to do in public, but there's just something about being prepared, the way you walk in the room, having your presentation polished, rehearsing the persuasion and negotiation in your mind. These are all things you can do to increase that confidence to help with that mood to make you more persuasive. I'm telling you, mood matters. Your mood, their mood. And if you get both in the positive area, persuasion and influence is much much easier. So think about those things this week. Be more aware of your willpower. Come up with a game plan with some of the things that I mentioned or maybe some things that you already do to get back on track. But that willpower can trigger bad mood, negative emotions, rotten attitudes that can really hurt your success. People wanting to be around you. People want to be persuaded by you. So work on that. Also, let me know what works for you to recharge your willpower battery at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's also the place you can pick up Maximum Influence. That's the new edition. Pick up a little shipping and handling. But appreciate you being here. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. You can also find us on YouTube, Spotify, and iHeart. Appreciate your time. Appreciate the feedback. All we ask is go out and master these skills. Become more influential. And of course, go out and persuade with power.